children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings. This is Captain Smell So Good of the Starship Smelly Prize with my international co-host, Sayonai. And when we're not soaring through the cosmos looking for alien chicks, we're hanging out in the nuttiest head on and off the internet. That is the jackal head. Yes. Are we ready to blast off? You are about to enter a new dimension in sound. What the heck happened last night? Hang on to your hats because you're about to go on a heck of a ride through time, space, and the multiverse. How do I reach these kids? Atlanta, Georgia, Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago, Tampa, Florida, Miami, Dallas, Texas. I don't care where the city is. How do I reach these kids? And with all the high-tech gizmos these days? The biggest trick the Jackal ever pulled was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. I reach these kids. The Jackal. the same Soaring on the wings of pride I flew too high And like Icarus I collide With the world I try so hard to leave behind To rid myself of all but love to give and die Turn away and not become Another nail to pierce the skin The one who loves me More deeply than the oceans More abundant than the tears Of a world embracing every heartache
All right, everybody, welcome to Inside the Jackal's Head here on PSN Radio, Softball Radio, live on Shoutcast, as we are every Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern, any side of the Rocky, doesn't matter. You're listening to Worlds Apart by Mac Maloney, who's going to be the guest on the show here in a little bit. We're going to have him on for the first hour, and then in the second hour, I got Mr. James Carmen live from New York City. I think he's in New York City anyway, but he will be with us in the second hour. Hopefully, I haven't heard back from him, so I can't really 100% commit to that yet, but hopefully he's live, and hopefully he will be with us. Uh, But again, you're listening to Worlds Apart. I love this song. It's a very sad song, isn't it? Take my world apart. I am all that I need. But a very good track there by Mac Maloney again, who's going to be our guest on here shortly uh, within uh, the next uh, 30 or so minutes. Um, I think, let's see, I think something's playing in my pocket here, and this is not good for live radio, but, oh, yeah, I got a uh, good friend Jamie Havoc on, on here. He was... Uh, Live earlier, let me mute that. All right, cool. Yeah, Jamie Havikan, uh, got to give him a shout-out. He was on Inception Radio. Actually, I think they're changing the name of it now, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, everybody, welcome to the show. We have a lot to talk about. i uh, got only a few minutes uh, to, to pick up and uh, get some news going here. i got a couple of uh, news articles that I wanted to share with the audience tonight before we get to our first guest, uh, Mr. Mac Maloney. Let's see, first uh, article of interest here, and this is uh, not shocking at all. I saw this coming about maybe 15 years ago, even when they were in their prime. But Blockbuster Video has finally completely gone out of business. That's right, folks. Uh, Blockbuster Video rental chains will shut down all its U.S. stores within the next uh, few months, I guess. Says your Blockbuster LLC, the video rental company owned by Dish Network, will close its remaining 300 U.S. stores, ending an era for the chain. Uh, that once uh, was the biggest uh, video rental company in the world, really. Blockbuster was shut outlets uh, down and starting as early as January, coming up in 2014, the rest of their outlets, I mean. And, uh, and they're actually going to discontinue their DVD-by-mail service also in mid-December of this year. Now, Englewood, Colorado-based uh, Dish said, uh, in a statement that each Blockbuster store has about 8 to 10 employees, so the move is expected to cost about 2,800 jobs. Dish will keep licensing the rights to Blockbuster and brand and um, to sell its ser- you know the services. I guess uh, they have you know a, a thing with uh, Dish Network where they have their own channel, Blockbuster. I, I, I don't know if they're gonna ju- that's what they're going to start doing, just put movies on TV and on the Internet. But uh, the, mail, uh, DV- the mail DVD order is gone. The stores are all gone. Rest in peace, Blockbuster Video. Now, I used to work for Blockbuster Video, so I have kind of like an inside uh, feel for this story. Kind of, uh, it, it's 
uh, it's weird because I, I worked for them for about two and a half, almost three years. I was a uh, supervisor at one of them for a while and um, just at the very end there. And, uh, I, you know, back then they used to tell us that eventually they're going to start doing stuff online and it's going to be mostly streaming and the stores are going to be more for selling or for selling uh, like the DVDs and stuff, but not for renting as much. And uh, I never really thought that uh, eventually they'll all be gone like this. It's, it's pretty shocking, but I kind of knew that eventually they were going to shrink the amount of stores they had. Uh, what really shocked me was when I saw the store that I used to work at closed a few weeks ago. That, that shocked me because that was one of the biggest stores down here in Florida. So again, rest in peace to Blockbuster Video. You know, it, it's hilarious when you think about when they first started out, all the mom and pop's uh, video stores were out there. All went out of business because of Blockbuster Video. Every single one of them. There's maybe one or two. I think the one, of the, one of them that's still around, it's Family Video. I think it's one of them. Uh, but there's very few that are still around. Uh, all the little tiny uh, mom and pop stores went out of business. Now with Blockbuster going out of business, will we see uh, you know an uprising of the little mom and pop video stores again? Will they start showing up? Because you know there's still going to be folks out there who want to rent videos who don't want to go online, sit there and go to Netflix or you know go to YouTube or go to any other streaming service providers out there and. Or who or don't even have the capacity to do that. That's another thing. Uh, a lot of people that rent videos are not exactly computer literate people. That's that's just a fact. If you're still renting videos, it's for a reason, you know. And there is always going to be a market for that. I think the reason the blockbuster kind of like went out of business is because of one simple thing: too much overhead. They were spending way too much money. Uh, they were they were spending more, a lot more money than they were taking in, obviously. But when you look at the way their stores are set up, it's uh, it's almost a fail situation because they are shitting money. I mean, they have like a thousand copies of one movie. You, why do you need that many copies of one movie? And then their stores are like huge. You know, it, there's a lot of you know money just going out the window in, in these stores. If they were smaller, a little bit more personal, you know, a little bit, uh, I don't know, like mom and pop stores, I think they would survive. But uh, they they always go for these big humongous blockbuster stores at least for the most part there's a few smaller ones but even the smaller ones are bigger than the old time mom and pop stores but i guarantee you that we're going to be seeing a lot more of these mom and pop stores showing up periodically i mean it's almost it's almost a given really that they start showing up um so you know it's gonna happen just uh you just gotta uh (laughs) it's funny because who would have thought it blockbuster video what a difference, huh? So Blockbuster Video is out of business. And uh, here's another uh, quick news article that I wanted to get to. This is from weirdnews.com. Actually, from huffingtonpost.com, but their weird news section. Uh, this is really bizarre, man. A man was buried alive in Brazil, and he rises from the grave. And uh, if zombies taking over the planet didn't already already have people like, you know, and hysteria because they think it's going to happen, really. There's a lot of people that really think they're going to have a zombie apocalypse. There's a lot of them. When that guy ate the dude's face off here in Florida, there was a lot of people online thinking, this is it, this is the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. But imagine if you're in a cemetery, right, and you're walking around the cemetery, and all of a sudden, a hand actually pops out from the ground. It starts digging its way out of the ground. Well, that's exactly what happened in Brazil. See, it's not every day that you see someone climbing out of a grave. But for one woman in Brazil, 
who was visiting her family's tomb, that's exactly what she was in for. According to a local reports, uh, the woman who had not been identified was a cemetery was in a cemetery in San Pablo, uh, Ferraz de Vascol. I'm going to butcher that. Vasconcelos. Uh, when she heard some hot noises and uh, saw some dirt moving near her grave, that's when she spotted a man buried alive, trying to pull himself from the ground. Uh, she says, I was terrified to see a man who I thought was dead trying to get out of the grave. The woman recalled later, according to local reports, says here that the woman uh, notified authorities and, and emergency services arrived uh, to dig the rest of the man's body out. He had already uh, managed to free his head and arms from the ground. In a video broadcast, uh, the local station's uh, record TV actually shows the video of the man on the ground pulling himself up. Uh, I guess it took a picture before helping the guy out of the grave. They uh, had to snap a picture of it, you know, just to make sure they could record it. So says so here, the rescue team is seen pulling the uh, partially buried man from the grave. And, yeah, you, they do start recording before they... I wonder if they, they can get sued for that. Because, I mean, you would think the human life... Uh, you know, let's get this guy out of the grave and forget about the recording. But, no, they, they're they documenting it. So it's, it's pretty funny. But I'm going to post a link on uh, psn-radio.com in the chat room if anybody uh, wants to check the article out. Check that out right there. Man buried alive in Brazil. Very bizarre. I mean, extremely bizarre, but apparently in Brazil, this happens quite a lot. This is uh, not shocking down there. Shocking to us, because we're not used to this kind of behavior, or we're not used to man being buried alive, and you don't hear this report coming out of your local towns. Uh, But in Brazil, apparently it happens quite often, where somebody ends up uh, getting buried alive. Um, in fact, there was a report not long ago of a guy that got buried alive because uh, there was a rape involved, and the whole town threw him in a grave. And that was a, another another crazy story. But actually, I think most everybody will agree that that guy had it coming. I mean, he raped a young girl and killed her, and the whole town got together and they just uh, they put this guy in a grave. So, and that's again in South America, which makes me very happy to be in North America. Sipping on my Mountain Dew, not worrying about being buried alive. No thanks. No thank you. You know who's uh, saying thank you this week? Miley Cyrus is saying thank you for a lot of promo that she's getting on TV over something that she did at the MTV EMAs in, uh, in her acceptance speech. Little Miley Cyrus, you know, she's not Hannah Montana anymore, folks. She's not a little girl. This girl is really grown up. Not only is she dressing more like a whore, because you know she's trying to be like Madonna, <laughs> and you know how Madonna did the whole whore thing through the '80s. Well, that's what Miley's really trying to do. All these chicks, the, these girls or whatever singers that come out, like Miley Cyrus, like Britney Spears, you know, like all all these other pop stars, they all do the Madonna thing now. They all become a whore. They dress slutty. They do stupid slutty videos. Well, Miley Cyrus is stepping it up a notch. She actually sparked more than just her whore act. She sparked a joint. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, she sparked a joint during the MTV's EMA's acceptance speech. Now, it says here, I'm going to read this exactly the way it's posted on Vibe.com. It says, it seemed... A little off that the calculated Miley Cyrus would take a tamer approach or tamer approach to her live performances at the 
MTV European Music Awards in Amsterdam. So that's why she is not in prison, because it was in Amsterdam. Everybody there is already high. So it doesn't really matter. But for starters, Cyrus was uh, sporting more clothes than usual for her song, We Can't Stop Me. And she's like full of fur. But she uh, soon then opted for her usual scant attire. For her scant attire, um, see, for the next number, Wrecking Ball, which is. That's a song that she's uh, known to be a whore on. And uh, says, still, it seemed a little strange as Cyrus was all over the media following her suggestive twerk-heavy MTV VMA performance in September. Uh, we'll keep things so mellow for the MTV Awards show follow-up. And uh, then it says, that all changed when she got on stage to accept her award for Best Video, which took home for, she took home for Wrecking Ball. Cyrus came up uh, with her uh, purse and pulled out a joint and sparked it during the uh, thank you speech. The 20-year-old uh, affinity for weed is old news. Earlier this week, she was spotted twice in Amsterdam in a coffee shop where the weed tends to flow like water, as Bruce Lee would say. One time, I smoked a joint, she said, with peyote in it, and I saw a wolf howling at the moon. And she told that to Rolling Stone magazine recently. So, hey, big ups to uh, Miley Cyrus for, you know, getting out there and, uh, you know, just uh, being herself, I guess, and uh, for, you know, contributing to the uh, ever-growing uh, pothead union that there is out there of, uh, of stupid people smoking weed in public. It's becoming really uh, often when you see a lot of celebrities smoking weed. Like, Snoop Dogg made a living doing that. Just uh, smoking a joint in public. He didn't care. Smoking blunts on stage. He didn't care. But would you ever really think that you'd see, like, little Hannah Montana? on a stage somewhere smoking a joint. That's kind of crazy to me, if you ask me. But, hey, more power to her. You know, she actually had the nerve and the uh, testicular fortitude to get up there and do it. So, uh, you know, who's hating? Huh? I know I'm not. Now, let's see. I have one more uh, article here before I got to go on break. And uh, then we're going to come back with Mac Maloney. Uh, who's going to be, I guess, uh, the guest on for the uh, first uh, hour here for, uh, let's see. Um, I know I have one more story here to share. Oh, yeah, this is for our uh, movie dorks out there. Masters of the Universe director has an idea for a new He-Man movie. And uh, check this out. This is real quick. Gary, and I know there's a lot of He-Man fans that listen to this show, so uh, it says, Gary Goodard, the director of Masters of the Universe and creator of Captain Power and Skeleton Warriors, among other things, has never stopped thinking about Eternia. In fact, he's still got an idea for the He-Man movie that he loved to work on even more than 25 years after his uh, feature uh, debut brought He-Man in the form of Dolph Lundgren to Earth. Now it says here, and yes, he thinks that whatever happens with the He-Man movie currently in production, that the new filmmakers will need to keep Frank Lagula, who played Skeletor in Goodard's version, of, as the main villain. So he would like to have Frank Lagula back. Now, in an interview with an interview uh, with Goodard and the Phoenix Rising, the return of Captain Power collaborator Roger Lay Jr. Goodard said that he'd love to take a swing at the script. If the eventual director for the newest Masters of the Universe film decided he's not happy with what they've got. Comicbook.com and director Masters of the Universe. Uh, so what, and this is here, comicbook.com. It said, uh, this is the interview, it says, you directed Masters of the Universe. So what do you think of the fact that once again, the property is, it's, uh, it's a growing uh, concern? 
uh, that they're going to make this, uh, you know, follow-up. He said, I think it's fantastic. I think they should bring Frank Galliga back as uh, Skeletor, though there's no uh, use going anywhere else. He's the best for the role. Now, Galliga is like 70 almost. He's just pretty old, but I guess with makeup, it might work. Now, it says here, Lay uh, from comic book asked him, Gary had a great idea for how many um, they should do with Masters again. And um, he said, I'm not going to say that in an interview, but I'm going to give it away. Now, I hope he's not going with the idea of using Dolph Lundgren again, because that would just be a complete, a complete failure. I want to see a complete reboot myself as a fan. Uh, but it's funny that the original director is talking about uh, Masters of the Universe again and uh, doing that. Uh, we're going to have to go on a quick commercial break. I keep getting interrupted by a phone call, and I don't want to take a phone call yet because it's not time for open lines. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and go to commercial break. I'm going to call this person back because I think I might know who it is. If it is who it is, and uh, we'll find out and we'll come back and talk to him maybe later. Uh, I'll be right back, everybody, on Inside the Jackal. not a parking lot. You can't create a website, park it there, and let it sit. Rusting, forgotten, ignored. But face it, you don't have time to focus on your web content. Turn it over to Ion Leap. We're an internet marketing agency who helps companies get found by search engines using robust content. Get your website moving again. Learn more at ionleap.com. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Four thousand seven hundred thirty-four UFO sightings in 2007 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens and hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years and only one trusted source of information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted. Connected. Accurate. The UFOstore.com Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant 
downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com Talkstream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application Mobile Talk Radio Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go You'll be surprised how easy it is to use So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day 7 days a week Talkstream Live now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed- education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S., or should help South Africa, and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries, so we will be able to build up our future. All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head here on psn-radio.com. Of course, soflowradio.com. Everywhere in Shoutcast land, you can listen to us live every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. But it's never as much fun as it is when I have my guest on that I have right now, Mr. Mac Maloney, one of my favorite people ever to grace this show. Welcome back, Mac. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Angel. Thanks very much for having me on. No, it's a complete pleasure always having you on the show, man. You're, like I said, one of my favorite guests that I've ever had on this show. And uh, give us a little update since the last time you've been here. What's going on with you? What's new in the world of Mac Maloney? Well, let's see. Um, 
I think I've written a couple books uh, since I was on last time. A book called um, Beyond Area 51 came out a few months ago. And it's um, different places around the world that are like Area 51, different secret places, secret bases, and so on. Um, just about all of them have uh, UFO history to them. And uh, that's available in every bookstore now and, of course, on Amazon.com. And then our, um, our band, Sky Club, we're uh, about halfway through uh, recording our second album, which is going to be called Ufology. Nice. Um, all, the, um, all the songs in it, are, um, you know, have something to do with UFOs. We have some uh, uh, some cover songs and also some original stuff. So, like I said, we're we're about halfway through that, and um, that's about it. Very cool, very cool. I was on your show not long ago, man. It was so cool to be on your show and be a, mm -hmm. an actual guest on somebody else's show. Thank you for having me on. Well, the show is that. Yeah, thanks for being on. You know, and as you found out, the show's a little. Uh, you know, we're a little out there, a little. You know. Um, Welcome to the club. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun that night. I'm glad you were able to join us. You know, it's funny because I, I was driving from my day job going home, mm -hmm. and um, I was stuck in traffic. And I'm like, I'm never going to make it back to the studio <laughs> to be on the show. So I was like, you know what? Screw this. I actually pulled into a parking lot, mm -hmm. and I called in and I did the whole show from my cell right. phone on the parking lot. It was and the reception the was guest, great. Uh, yeah, definitely the first guest we've ever had on that did the show from their car. <laughs> um, that was very good. Hats off to you, my friend. Yes, that, there you go. Something I didn't even know. Now I know that I was the first one ever to do that on your show. And it's a great show, by the way. You guys, were, it was funny because we're talking sports, which is also kind of uh, my thing. I love talking sports, and I know you're a big sports fan. Uh, but, you know, it's funny, sports entertainment there's it's a lot of distractions out there you know and, and of course you're mostly known for the whole thing you know for ufology uh for your books and ufos for your music uh, which by the way I, I play the uh a cd you sent me all the time on the show here is an awesome Thanks CD. a lot i appreciate that and i have a lot of my friends and uh listeners who have uh begging me to you know either send them your uh your info so they can buy the cd on amazon because they love the music so uh Thanks people are, are, are giving me really good uh reception towards it um zod Ryder loves it by the way Love that's great these, that's great i mean it's available on amazon.com it's an import which is kind of strange because yeah we our first um our first record contract was with a british uh, with an english record company so it's it's viewed as a as an import for the physical disc but you can go on uh, itunes now and uh and just and download it too so yeah it's awesome i suggest everybody check it out uh itunes anywhere you can get a physical copy is, is awesome because i love having the physical copy you know i was talking about uh in the intro monologue earlier about blockbuster going out of business mm -hmm. and uh you know uh, i read a story on miley cyrus and it's funny how there's so much stuff out there they still you know they use to kind of keep us entertained and keep us occupied with you know the stupid stuff like miley cyrus smoking a joint you mm -hmm. know it's so stupid you know but People really care about, you know, Miley Cyrus for some stupid reason. Like, I don't get it. I don't get the fascination myself personally. Uh, you know, of course, we deal a lot with the world of ufology and the world of the paranormal and, you know, the crazies and the scientists and the people that write books and people who make music like yourself. But it, it's funny how, like, they really tried to push people like her and Britney Spears and all these people down our throats. That, that, I mean, do you care personally at the end of the day if Miley Cyrus smoked a joint? No. No, I really don't care. But You know what I, I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and you know the thing is, is that, you know, probably people back in the fifties probably said, you know, we're sick of hearing about Marilyn Monroe, you know, yeah, or Elizabeth Taylor. But but the difference is that these days is that there's just so many outlets that you can get, you know, information on whatever you want, and it just seems like a lot of people out there they just want this kind of uh, surface level entertainment. So they're 
they want to know what she does because a lot of you know t- teenage kids want to know what she does but you know the, the like the whole kardashian thing is the same thing is i mean they are really people who are not they're celebrities for being celebrities they don't really do anything yet a lot of people follow them you know and i think it's just that things are really tough these days for a lot of people and and i don't think that anyone when they get home from work or whatever i don't think they want to really think about anything too deeply so you know you you want to be entertained you want to relax and for some people that's following miley cyrus and following the kardashians and for other people like us it's sports or music or whatever and uh there's just so many forms of entertainment out there that you can choose from and 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 everything is so instantaneous these days and people like gossip too that's another thing i think most people like gossip and her smoking a joint on stage that's like gossip you know yeah, you know, it's funny, Johnny Alpha here uh, in the chat room uh, says that uh, she is mad gangster now in our Facebook chat. Uh, she is mad gangster. Really, does it, does it make you gangster to smoke a joint on stage? No. I mean, come on, she's not a gangster. <laughs> she wouldn't know what a gangster was if one came up and, you know, hit her in the face, you know. But, you know, it's funny, though, how the, you know, the media does portray uh, this kind of story in the in the publicize this kind of story and they talk about this kind of story uh but then there's you know ufo reports and ufo flaps all over the u.s and they don't really talk about that mm-hmm. they yeah, don't want to it, talk about that yeah it's because you have to think a little bit deeply when when you want to um, you know if you want to actually read a ufo report or see something about it on tv because you know i hate to say it and i'm not putting down these people who you know are followers of her or the Kardashians, but you you have you know ufo reports make you think they make you think, well, what are they? Are they top secret, you know, aircraft? Are they from out of space? Are they time travelers? You know, you, you have to think about it a little bit. And I think just these days, I think the pressures of the world are just so much that people just, you know, when they're in their downtime, they don't want to think very deeply about stuff. You know, the Kardashians, uh, that's a fascination of mine right there because I have no idea why they're even famous. It's like not, not like they're actresses or anything like that. Like, how did they become famous? They were like well, the daughters of OG's lawyers? It's it, well, Yeah, that's it. But it's Ryan Seacrest is actually the uh, mad scientist behind that. It's his production company that, um, you know, picked up on the fact that she had uh, filmed a sex tape with someone, I don't even know who right. it was. Ray, yeah, I think it was Ray J, I think. Right, and, and right. Um, you know, and, and they want you to think that it was leaked <laughs> out, but it was all part of a plan. And once that, uh, you know, got out there and her father, who had, who had passed away, who has since passed away, was one of O.J.'s lawyers. And, right. And also her stepfather was Bruce Jenner. So that was enough, uh, you know, and, and, and her and her sisters are, or a couple of her sisters are really attractive. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they are. And, um, you know, they just put all oh, this Oh, don't get me pot. wrong. They're, they're, look, they're, they're great looking girls, but I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of beautiful women out there. And the fact yeah. that they're celebrities is really like, a, it's yeah. dumbfounding to me. Well, it's Ryan Seacrest. I mean, he has a lot of power in Hollywood. It doesn't seem like someone like that does, but he really, really does. And he's the one who's been forcing them down our throats, so. Um, I, I think that I think the sun is setting on them a little bit. I, I heard recently that they're in big time financial trouble. So, uh, you know, everything has an end. You know, and maybe we're <laughs> going to see their end. But some will just take their place. So, of course, that's what happens. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what. It, you know, it's funny, and, and I've, I've I've noticed this in Hollywood where they they build you up, build you up, build you up for a few years, and then as soon as they find the next person in line, they start tearing you apart. You got that right. I look at Britney. Man, Spears. A, yeah, that happened. Oh, Britney, man, she went crazy. She even yep. shaved her head. Yeah, you know, because they're not prepared for it. And, and, you know, a lot of these people, too, are, um, 
uh, you know, our former Musketeers and, and Walt Disney, the Disney Corporation is behind a lot of them as well. They start grooming them from, you know, young kids in the Musketeers and then suddenly they're teenagers and they're big stars. But, you know, there's always going to be someone else younger and newer and fresher, you know, following in your tracks. And, and they don't really prepare these kids for when, you know, the sun starts to set on them. And that's where the trouble starts. Yeah, no kidding. Listen, we got a caller on 772. You're on with uh, Mac Maloney on Inside the Jackal's Head. What's up? Hey, Jackal, how's it going? It's the bear. What's up, bear? You, no, wanted, to make a comment. Much, you wanted to make a comment? You wanted to make a comment on this whole uh, Miley Cyrus smoking a joint thing, I hear. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the whole joint thing, that's not, that's not that bad to me. I, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, like, in this country that are starting to... Uh, look towards that to more medicine and that's what I kind of feel like it more of it is an actual drug than like heroin or something but that chick is seriously going downhill seriously I mean, why because she's smoked so bad for she Billy smoked Ray. I mean uh, just man what I mean don't you think most of it is an act though I think with Miley Cyrus I don't think that she's really going downhill I think it's mostly an act and look she's not the first to go this direction I said it on the uh, the article when I read it uh, these girls do this all the time this is the Madonna act they all act slutty they act horish you know they but, but do these what, crazy what's videos the appeal of this? What, what what are they trying to pro- what are they trying to make our kids fucking really like I mean what what does that do for America that does nothing for America it does man. nothing for America but entertain idiots that's all it does that's yeah, it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's called uh, entertainment. It's, pretty, it's not, it's not my form of entertainment, but that's what it is. It's just some, uh, it's a crazy person. It really is, man, I know. You know, hey, what are you going to do? I mean, a crazy world we live in, right? Now, have you, you guys seen the video? Have you seen this video of her actually lighting the joint on stage and smoking it? I have not, and I, uh, man, that is, that is something else. I, I can't believe that, you know. What state were they in? It, they were actually in Amsterdam. Which makes oh really sense, okay right? well then it's all good then over there <laughs> no yeah. problem there yeah no yeah. kidding I mean it's funny because like they, in the report it says that they had actually seen her at a couple of different uh, pot places uh, in Amsterdam a few days earlier and she had uh, been smoking and stuff and uh, you know I guess she she's been uh, doing this for a while it's not the first time that uh, they've she, uh, talked about her smoking weed yeah. she, she, how, she just how wants old is to she now eighteen twenty she's twenty she's twenty now. Oh, she's twenty now. Yeah, she's she, twenty. She's just what she's what she is very good at, and what the people, her managers, and are very good at uh, making headlines. You know, here we are. You know, she she, you know, did the uh, dirty dance there a few weeks ago. That was everywhere. Right. That died down, and now she's you know found a way to get back in the headlines again. And and you're right, Angel. I mean, she's just following the Madonna. Uh, you know, design the Madonna plan on how to become famous and then stay famous. And uh, so she shocks us with something every month or so. And everyone goes, wow, you know, uh, look at what she's done. But, you know, yep. she's, it isn't like she did it on a stage in Kentucky. You know, she did it in Amsterdam where everyone is high just about all the time. And uh, Exactly. And we'll be talking about it for another week or so. And then she'll do something a month from now. Yeah, exactly. it's all about the wow factor, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. Definitely. Yeah, yeah wow factor is right. Yeah, you know, and it's more than even the wow factor is, like you said, there's a design behind this. And Madonna, I think, was one of the first to really use it. But, but even before Madonna, for example, Marilyn Monroe also did it. It's not like uh, exactly, this is something yeah. new. Right. You know, this is, has been going on for decades already at this point. Right, yeah. They have press agents, and they're, you know, very well uh, paid. And, um, you know, and they just know what buttons to push, you know? Right. I mean, at, at, towards the end of her career, Marilyn Monroe, who... 
uh, you know, was the top movie star definitely of the 50s and early 60s. She was in the first Playboy spread. You know, she she was one of the first women, uh, the first woman to be the the first person to pay, pose nude in Playboy. And there's a perfect example. Um, you know, you know, at some point in Miley Cyrus's career, if she stays alive long enough, because I think that at some point it does get away from him, like Justin Bieber, for instance. Obviously, this has gotten away from him because he's doing really self-destructive things. But, you know, Miley Cyrus will probably pose in Playboy at some point when the when her career gets, goes on the wane. And that's another way to kind of reignite it for a little while. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people have done it before her and a lot of people will do it after her. You know, it's funny you say that because Miley Cyrus recently actually had uh, another scandal that came out uh, where she went completely naked for some uh, photographer. Mm-hmm. And his name is, I believe, is Terry Richardson, the photographer's name. And uh, she stripped completely. You could see everything, but she's like covering in certain parts. So you don't see like, you know, all the fruits and berries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could kind of see, uh, you could see her breasts and, and whatnot. Uh, so she's already going in that direction. Right. Hey, yeah. I, I'll tell you, if I could just interject, and this would be, um, this is, I know it's going to sound chauvinistic, but I don't think she's that attractive, to tell you the truth. You know, you I, know what? I, I, will, I will agree with you 100% on that. She has definitely took a dip in the way she looks and the way she acts. Even the way she acts isn't even attractive whatsoever to me. I mean, to tell you the truth. Right. I agree with you. I think that there's, that, that she's kind of lacking in that in that department. There are there are other, uh, you know, um, uh, singers out there or entertainers or actresses who just are, are more attractive than her, you know. But as you said, you know, she's she's chosen to be outrageous, and I don't know anyone who buys her music. I can't name one of her songs, but she has a huge following, and you know, so far it's been successful for her. You know what? And now she's jumping cause... on the Molly bus, singing about the Mollies. I mean, like that's like that's <laughs> like that's cool or something. Yeah, that's that's the next step for her. You know, it, it's funny because I never found Madonna attractive either, to be honest with you. And Madonna did, like I said, the same thing back in the 80s. Right. Uh, it, you know, but I think the, the less attractive these uh, female singers are, these female celebrities are, the more whorish they have to actually become mm-hmm. to sell themselves. Yes. Yeah. It's easy to sell when you look like, you know, uh, like Beyonce. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to do much. You're, you're right. gorgeous, you know. Or when you're even Britney Spears when she was young, she was a beautiful girl. So yep. she didn't have to do much to sell herself. Jessica Simpson's another one. Just show but, up. You know? Yeah, just, just show, show up, basically. Up. But in Miley Cyrus, yeah. she doesn't have exactly the, the look, so she has to act really whorish and out there like Lady Gaga, kind of butt ugly. So oh, she man. has to act have like a freak. you seen Lady Gaga without makeup on? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You don't want to go nowhere near that thing. No, no, no. The all. thing about her is that, about Lady Gaga, is that, and once again, I, 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 you know, I don't know any of her songs really or know much about her, but she is a musician. I, I did see her in a couple of shows where you know, she's, she can sit down and she can play the piano and she actually has some kind of a musical talent. Plus, she writes a lot of her own songs and, you know, the songs That's are catchy and she knows what she's doing, you know. Um, you know, a lot of these, what I don't like is when these uh, people come up and, um, uh, you know, like Justin Bieber, for instance, um, there was a, a video of him probably four or five months ago where, I don't know where he was playing, but someone jumped up on the stage and tried to attack him. And when his security people came out to kind of protect him, one of them just brushed up against this grand piano that Justin Bieber was supposed to be playing. And the thing fell over like it was, you know, like it was an inflatable like it was inflated. Really? 
you know. And 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 someone, you know, a, a review of an insider once of a Justin Bieber concert said that, you know, the entertainment in this in America has fallen to such a low point that Justin Bieber isn't even good at lip syncing. He lip syncs all of his concerts, <laughs> but he's not even good at it, you know. And so when we get to a point where the, these people who, you know, are quote unquote entertainers can't even lip sync anymore, I mean, you know, what what's left? See, I think before Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber is going to be the the one who's really going to collapse and just uh, have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this this kid is getting thrown out of countries, man. He, the singer was just right. reportedly booted from his Argentinian accommodations after the crowd bombarded uh, the hotel because he was there. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about it in a positive way. They like they wanted him out of there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, so. He's definitely on a self-destructive path. You know. Um, I, I think he's kind of out of control. Where. With Miley Cyrus, you can definitely kind of see, you know, that that that, that there are people behind her who are. It's more of a planned ascent, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Justin Bieber we is could, just we could start getting into the elite and Illuminati, but like, let's let's not go there right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, I'm I'm to, the right track. Uh, Here, do this because we can. America likes this. Here, do that. <laughs> I think you have to have a certain amount of uh, millions in the bank, like at least a few hundred million, to be able to get even a phone call from the Illuminati. Because uh, uh, yeah. Billion, maybe a billion. Believe, uh, yeah. Me and my uh, me and my boss did research on this one, so I think it's it's like it's called the hundred million dollar club. Once you're in the entertainment industry and you're making that amount, they either choose to approach you or they choose not to. You know, and that's that's kind of weird. If you're kind of like the guy they want to be, I guess they'll do it. You're like, hey, come on over. You know, hey. There's well, they, uh, definitely. A, uh, go ahead, Mac. I was going to say the two guys who invented MySpace. Remember MySpace a few years oh, ago? Oh yeah, with Tom Facebook. Yeah. Um, they sold that for a billion dollars to, yep. and I don't even know who they sold it to. And um, so they, so they both had a half a billion dollars in the bank, and they were two, just two young guys. They went to um, wanted to go to lunch at this very exclusive club in uh, New York City. Now, I don't really believe in the Illuminati like a lot of people do, but if if the Illuminati does exist, then they run this uh, this club because. They wouldn't let these two guys in because they 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 equaled the billion dollars, but only when only together, if you know what I mean. They 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 were they each had they were each, each worth five hundred million dollars, and it still wasn't enough to get them into this club. Yeah, they you weren't had, snobby rich, huh? <laughs> yeah, you had to be a billionaire to get into the club, and they were only half billionaires, and they turned them away at the door. Can you wow. imagine that? So. Well, they run their they run their credit score right there at the door. See how much well, they had. Yeah, you know, they knew who they were, and they had just made all this publicity, and they were on the news wow. and, and, and everything, and and they couldn't get luncheon at this very exclusive club. So, uh, yeah, got to be a billionaire to get in there. Ouch. What do you guys I, think of this new uh, uh, new social media that Justin Bieber's uh, investing in? You think he's going to flop on that? Uh, what, what was he investing on? I, I didn't catch the it's first a, part it's of it. It's a brand new social media. He he invested like a like a one point one million dollars, and it's called, supposed to be called Shots of Me. It's supposed yeah. to be geared towards teenagers. Uh, probably not. That's going to go down <laughs> yeah. in flames. Yeah. yeah. There's too look. There's too much social media already out there with uh, right. Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Yeah. Now, I mean, now MySpace is coming back up too. Actually. Well, yeah, for music, MySpace is well. MySpace has actually always been kind of there for music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's never really fully gone away. It's just uh, been kind of converted more into a, a musician's uh, outlet. 
more than anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's getting a little bit more popular. And Facebook is losing a little popularity. There's there's been a little bit of a drop off in uh, the right. number of people that have been connecting into Facebook, uh, which is normal. I mean, none of these things stay on top forever. You know, there's always that fluctuation. If uh, MySpace stays around, there could be a, po- a point in time in the near future where they might even take over again. Mm-hmm. And it really all depends on how the functionality, I guess, of the uh, the website and the way it you know looks and feels to the uh, people that are connecting on it. If it looks uh, like something fun for them and they can enjoy and they can you know surf on uh, it'll get popular again the thing is with, with MySpace they really lost a lot when they started transferring over the design and the look and stuff and a lot of people just left and never mm-hmm. came back because they didn't like the, the interface that they went with uh, Facebook has a very easy clean interface which I think a lot of people dig so right if it's easy if it's easy that's how you get people to do it exactly you know? yeah. if it's yeah. easy if you can get on it like Twitter there was something on the news today that we hear about Twitter a lot, but only 16 million people in the U.S. use Twitter. Um, I would have thought it was a lot more than that, but a lot of people wow, use it around the world. You know, around around the world, a lot of people use it, but in the U.S., you know, I think people in other parts of the world are more savvy with, you know, electronic devices. Frankly, you know, and um, um, but Twitter is one of these things where it can be in in let's say three years, it can be. 50 million people, uh, it'll just go, you know, by the wayside. It, it's really at a point now. They just had their IPO. They just, you know, became a tr- something that trades on the wall, on the on Wall Street, and uh, they're going to stop putting ads on it. And I think ads turn people off, to tell you the truth. Uh, they turn I, me I, off I on, on Facebook. I don't know how Twitter makes its money. I mean, it, it has made it, it not made one dollar in profit yet. Wow! Okay, and not made one dollar profit because they have not put ads on it yet. But it it has spread out. I mean, mostly around the world, sixteen million people in the United States. But now, that how do they have the money to run the servers? Then I don't understand. It, it, they just had investors from the beginning, and uh, this is something. And and they had you know the people who developed whatever you have to develop for that to work. And um, um, I think that they also might make money by. Um, advertising? Yeah, no, no, oh. they're going to start advertising. Yep. But they, they, I, I think it was just all like on, you know, investors, and now they're looking for their payday. Hmm. But I think I, would, no, I don't turn, use Twitter at all. I, yeah, I don't know anyone who uses Twitter. To tell you the truth, <laughs> I don't, I don't even use it to promote my shows. I, I know. I do any promotion is on uh, Facebook. That's my it. Yeah, see, people have told us be a way to, for them to watch you more than NSA. I'm sure. So I don't, I stay yeah. away from anything like that. Uh, people have told us on our radio show that we should use Twitter, and 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 my publishers have told me that I should use it as well. And um, they um, they actually use it to promote books these days, where um, they will have um, <clears throat> they'll send out a Twitter to twenty five hundred twenty five hundred followers of a certain author, and they'll ask those people to retweet, you know, that this uh, a book is coming out, you know, in two weeks. And the first 2,500 people get a free copy of the book if they retweet it. And then, you know, that, and then it's like a, you know, a domino effect, you know. So publishers are using it to, you know, to publicize books. They did that, uh, did it for me about a year ago, and it worked really well. But it's just a funny thing when I saw only 16 million people. That's a large number, but gee whiz, I thought it would have been like 60 million people. I was surprised at that. Yeah, I'm shocked at that because there's so many people talk about Twitter. You know, the only time I really have used Twitter in the last few months was uh, to get into some beef with uh, Robert Zimmerman, George mm-hmm. Zimmerman's brother. I don't know if you know who that is, George Zimmerman. 
Oh, yeah. sure, yeah. The guy who shot Trevor Martin. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had made some racist comment, and uh, it's funny that he makes racist comments, and then he says his brother's not a racist. But yeah. I kind of got I, you know, it's funny. I found that funny. So I got into it a little bit with him on uh, on Twitter, and I was like, yeah, he, he answered back. Douchebag. Mm-hmm. That's another and, uh, guy. You'll see. They'll it. find George Zimmerman, you know, with with two bull, uh, two two in the hat, as they say, in some motel somewhere. You'll see. I he's think George Zimmerman. He's gonna he's gonna self destruct pretty soon because look, yeah. that has been in the news after the whole Trevon Martin thing. You know, he yeah. got into a couple of little little scuffles here and there. Avoided jail because his, uh, his wife or not his ex wife refused to press charges. Right. Uh, but that guy is gonna self destruct pretty soon. Yep. He, he's another one of these guys that was gonna end up doing something like Sandy Hook or some crazy stunt like that, and just see he's gonna go berserk and kill somebody else. Yeah. And yeah. then we're all gonna be like, oh, well, we told you so. And yeah. then they're gonna be like, well, we gotta you know, ban guns because it's always the, the guns' fault. That's what it is. Guns kill people. No way. It's this crazy person you should have locked up that kills people. That's what's going to end up happening. And then yep. we're going to have that whole debate again, and it's going to be uh, the entire thing all over again. Yeah, that's the sad thing about it is that you keep everyone keeps having the same argument all over again. You know, When, when you really look at it, everyone in this country, I, I understand everyone in this country has a right to, to bear a gun because it's said to have a gun because that's what it says in the Constitution. But with every right, you also have a responsibility. And I argue with people on Facebook about this all the time. People because they think of the books that I write because I write military books and I'm going to be this right-wing conservative and I'm not. Um, you know, I just say that if you have this right, then you have a responsibility to to make sure that there are gun laws in this country that protect the people who, for instance, don't own guns. And you have to, exactly. if, you, if, if, you have a, if you have a gun, you have to show that you're a responsible person to have that gun. And just like, you know, they, they make you go to driving school to, you know, learn how to drive a car. You have to have insurance to have a car. You have to do, you know, you have to be a certain age to drink alcohol. You have to be a certain age to get a loan, you know, things like that, you know. Well, you just put those same kind of responsibilities on people who have guns and, and, and who want guns. And, and I'm telling you, you, you cannot but help have, uh, you know, this uh, 30,000 people are killed by guns in this country every year. If there is some kind of, if these people took responsibility for this right that they are out there, you know, saying that they uh, have to have all the time, if they took some responsibility, that number would drop. Um, it, it's just I, very strange. It's just yep. very strange. I understand, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I, uh, I, I was, I've owned a gun since I was 18 years old. I'm 28 years old now. You know, I've never, I've never shot anybody. I, I go to the shooting range. I go hunting. You know, I have it for personal defense. I don't, I don't go waving around in the street, nothing like that. You know, I have it for a specific purpose, and you're right, you know. Some people literally should, are too stupid to own anything, much less a gun. So oh, yeah. I yep. really understand that. Yep. Yeah, I concur completely. Uh, Bear, we're almost uh, at, a, at a break here shortly. Uh, thank you for calling in, man. Do you have anything else you uh, want to ask of uh, Mac or any other comments you want to make? Nope, that's it. I just, uh, just wanted to call in and uh, chat with you guys for a little bit. Thanks for letting me on. No, no problem. Thank you for calling in. And, of course, uh, everybody check out Petrified, the horror movie, over on Kickstarter and uh, support that project. Yeah, Do it. Easy, it's good man. stuff. Thanks. Thank you, buddy. 
That is the bear, ladies and gentlemen. He's, uh, of course, one of the uh, people behind the project, Petrified the movie. Uh, really cool film, Mac. I think you'd really, really enjoy this movie. It's oh, yeah. uh, not out yet. It's uh, supposedly a real, true uh, story. Uh, it's a horror movie, and uh, they're going to work. They're going to be you know, work on it pretty soon. Now uh, they're actually already in pre-production, but uh, they have a Kickstarter account to try to make a little bit of uh, scratch so they can make oh, the movie cool. happen. It's uh, but it's about the legend of the Devil's Tree, which inspired oh, wow. a new breed of psychopathic killers. Oh, so, I love those kind of movies. Really cool stuff, uh, but you know, let's go. Uh, let's go back to what you've been working on. Uh, now you said you have a new CD coming out. Any new books on the works here? Um, I just finished a book on um, uh, that I wrote under another name. To tell you the truth, is a, um, oh, it's, no a it's it's a race car book. It's coming out in March. Um, I had to sign a non disclosure agreement, so I really can't talk very much about it. But it was a little bit out of uh, what I usually do. But um, it's, it's, like I say, it's about race cars. It's about racing. Um, I learned a lot about Lamborghinis and uh, Bugattis and McLarens and all these uh, cool, very cool two, three million dollar cars. Um, really enjoyable to do. Um, I almost got to get a ride in a Lamborghini. Um, I nice. could have, uh, um, I almost rented one. <laughs> they're, they're $1,100 for 24 hours to rent a Lamborghini in Boston. Yeah. And, um, you know, the publisher really didn't want to, uh, you know, throw for that. So, um, though it could have been tax deductible, but, um, uh, I, I, I'm, I've fallen in love with high speed racing cars now, much to my, uh, wife's displeasure. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, Lamborghinis, they're just the coolest car in the world. You know, they are just very, very cool. Yeah, the Lamborghinis are gorgeous. I've only driven or been in this inside of a Lamborghini once in my life. It was about 12 years ago. Yeah, I've never I've never been in one. I've seen them, uh, and and just the way learning how they're built, and how uh, every one of them is is really just I mean is really hand, not hand built but handcrafted. Yeah, uh, they're just beautiful cars. You know, they get about two miles a gallon, and they can go from uh, uh, zero to a hundred miles an hour in about four seconds. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm probably better off not getting behind the wheel of one, but I would like to take a ride in one at least sometime. Now I know you're you're definitely a football aficionado. So tomorrow night, Monday night football, who do you think, Dolphins or Buccaneers? Well, I don't know. The Bucks are zero and eight, but the Dolphins are in such turmoil with this whole crazy. Oh game. man! I mean, uh, I, I no just kidding. don't understand how that. I mean, that story just changes every day. You know, um, it, it's not doing the Dolphins any good. It, it, this might be a, a, an instance where you know the Bucks actually win their first game. But I can tell you this, no matter what happens as far as the Dolphins are concerned, if I was the owner of the Dolphins or if you were the owner of the Dolphins, we might have talked about this already, wouldn't you be just unbelievably pissed off at what's oh, going on in the locker room? Wouldn't you want to get out and just get rid of all of these people? I, well, you know what? We were talking about that on a sports show this Wednesday on uh, World Sports Talk Radio. Uh, we were talking about uh, how Ireland, the GM, is probably the one that's going to get his head chopped off pretty soon by the owner and is going to get uh, let go. Because, I mean, let's be honest, all these draft picks that he's failed on, mm -hmm. all the players that he's brought in, none of it's worked. I mean, the, right. the Smartin kid was his pick. He picked him, and it's not working. Obviously, it didn't work. The guy has mental issues. And mm -hmm. he could have gone for a better player that was up, and somebody else grabbed him, and he grab this kid martin so i mean the, the guy is just uh i think it's time for them to make that move and, and kick ireland out uh but you were right there should be a shake-up i mean he should just get rid of everybody at this point i mean yeah i mean first of all i mean this was their year let's face it everyone thought that's this they were going to actually do something this year now they're four and four 
and you have this, you know, this controversy hanging over their head. I mean, you know, if they if they wind up eight and eight this year, they'll be, you know, I think they'll be lucky. And and like you say, you know, it's it's this is the year they were, everyone expected them to actually be better than the Jets, you know, and and uh, right. and, and you give the Patriots a hard time, and and they're not doing any of that. And plus, this crazy, stupid controversy. I'd go in and get rid of all of them. Like I say, if I was the owner, I'd be pissed that I'm the I'm paying out millions of dollars for this nonsense. And it really is nonsense. Now, for anybody who's listening who's not familiar with what we're talking about here, uh, a couple players got into it, I guess, in private over the last few weeks. Um, there was a joke going around within the Dolphins locker room. Uh, it was, uh, I guess, a voicemail left by uh, one of the players incognito. Is his name mm-hmm. Richie Incognito. He left a voicemail for another player named Martin. I forgot his name. Justin Martin, right? Is his mm-hmm. first name Justin? Yeah. Uh, Justin Martin. And uh, the voicemail was supposed to be, I guess, uh, racially. Uh, it's, it's messed up because it, it sounds like it's a racist voicemail. But you can kind of tell that Incognito's just being a jackass and he's just trying to, like, you know. It's like more of a prank than anything else. Right. Uh, he's portrayed it as it's a joke and you know, it wasn't anything serious. But when you listen to it, you can understand why somebody will get offended by it because it is very offensive, the things he's saying. But at the same time, all the reports that have come out from the locker room have all said that Martin took it as a joke. That, mm-hmm. it, you know, that he was going around laughing about it and stuff. And playing uh, he, it for the team, playing it for the team, right. you know, and laughing about it. And, and the, the, the one theory that I heard that, that kind of almost makes sense is that Martin wanted to leave the team for reasons who knows why. Right. And so he quit the team and then his lawyers or his agent or whatever said, you know, if you leave the team, they're not going to pay you. But if you have a reason to leave the team, you still get paid. So they went back into these old, um, you know, Emails that Incognito had sent to him, and and kind of put them together, you know, put them, uh, edited them in a, such a way that it seems like they were bullying this guy. But that particular voicemail you're talking about, they were saying on the radio up here in Boston the other day that if you play that whole thing after Incognito says all these really terrible things about uh, Martin's mother and so on and so forth, and it, it was racially tinged. If you play the whole thing, then Incognito says. Okay, you got that? Okay, call me back. I mean, it was like two guys goofing on each other. And, um, you know, but the lawyers are able to kind of take these things twisted and make it seem like he was being, being bullied, and that way Martin still gets paid. Right. And, um, you know, but then there's reports that they were best friends. They used to sit on the plane together and all this stuff. So it's, it's, it's get to the point where you don't know which side to believe, you know. But something is screwy there. And, and, and this is not how you get a winning team together, you know. This is the last thing you need if you're the Miami Dolphins this season. Yeah, no kidding. Which, again, goes back to the person in charge of putting the team together, mm-hmm. Jeff Ireland. You mm-hmm. know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's almost a sad tale here in, in Miami because we keep hearing every year on sports radio people calling in you know, nonstop asking for this guy to lose his job. And he's, I don't know how he's stuck around for so long. Uh, he's been here for, what, over four or five years now. Wow. Uh, the guy, he's just, a, it's a disaster, really. It really is a disaster. He's, you know, he doesn't, obviously doesn't know what he's doing. doesn't know the players that he's getting. He doesn't know how to put a team together. But it really is an embarrassing story. And this used to be such a storied franchise when oh, they had yeah. Marino and Don Shula and you know, the yeah, perfect yeah, team. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team that at one point was a very respected franchise. Now, like, they've become the laughing stock of the right. NFL. See, that's why that's amazing that that guy stayed around for so long because these days, boy, if you don't deliver in your first couple of years, 
usually you're gone. But on the other hand, you know, and I know, it's an old boys club that runs, you know, these teams a lot of times. And they're all friends, and friends don't want to fire friends and so on. I mean, look at Jerry Jones and and uh, and the Cowboys. I mean, of course, he's the owner. He can do what he wants, but... You know, I mean, the Cowboys have become a little bit of a laughing stock over the over the past few years too. You know, there's a lot of pe- people on that team that you know really shouldn't be. When you when you look at the Cowboys' history, and of, and of course, being from Boston, I'm you know have hated the Dallas Cowboys forever. But you have to look at you know their history and when they used to have these just unbelievable teams that nobody can beat. And I think Jerry Jones would just, that's all he wants. But, you know, he's just going about it the wrong way. And he brings people into that team, uh, like Des Bryant now. And, you know, Romo is not, he, Romo is never going to lead them to the to the Super Bowl. No. It's never going to happen. And no matter how much they want to try or they want to make it seem like that's going to happen, he's just not that kind of a quarterback. And And they should recognize that and give up and get someone else and try again. And try to, you know, uh, restore some of the luster down there. Um, uh, Tom Brady up here in, in Boston with the Patriots, you know, he is someone who can bring you to the Super Bowl. But, you know, they've screwed up a number of times, too. And uh, he's getting old and the team is kind of getting old. Um, you know, the Jets. I mean, all of these teams have, you know, really storied histories. But some of them, yep. you know, more than others, you know. But Miami, I mean, you know, during the 70s, maybe, the Miami was the only way to go. They were the best team going. Oh yeah, the per- the only perfect team in the NFL history. Right. Yep. Yep. And Don you know, Shula was one of the best coaches ever. Ever. You know. You know. It's funny though, Mac. They've been like living off of that for years. Right. That they were the, the perfect team because that's really like that's the last accomplishment that this team ever did. Really. Right. Because look, Marino was a good quarterback and Shula was a great coach, <laughs> but they didn't win anything with Marino. Right. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, people. That is really odd when you think about that. Marino's yeah. in the Football Hall of Fame. John Shula's one of the best coaches ever, but they never won with those guys. That's interesting. They, Marino didn't even smell the Super Bowl again. I mean, right. I know the rookie year, I think, it was that he went to the Super Bowl and he lost in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They went deep. Was it the Super Bowl or the playoffs? Deep in the playoffs. I can't remember which. I don't know. I, I think, think they went. Uh, I think they went and lost in the Super Bowl. It was I think the they Bears. lost the Super Bowl, yeah. It's so long ago, I can't remember. Yeah, you're talking about like in the early 80s when right. he first came up. It was his rookie year. I mean, you figure rookie year, he's ready in the Super Bowl. You know, Marino probably thought, oh, man, this is easy. I'm going to be yeah. here every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that easy, and it's, and it gets hotter and hotter every year in the NFL. I mean, uh, the NFL has changed a lot, I think, in the past 20 years, when, especially when you hear stuff like, you know, that they were putting bounties on guys' heads and everything, and, you know, that's what happened to the New Orleans coach last year and so on. It's a, it's very tough to win a football game, you know? you got to win a lot of them, but just to win every week is very, very tough, and everything is so sophisticated. And, and you know, look at this year. I mean, we just we have two teams up until – today who were 0 and 8 you know i mean can you imagine a team going not winning not winning for an entire season in the nfl that's crazy but it might happen this year you know um well if any team could make sure that doesn't happen would be the Miami dolphins if they lose to tampa bay yeah oh that would be wouldn't how about that you know that would be unbelievable but and then you have you know these other kind of elite teams you know i mean i guess the pats are kind of elite but Look at the Denver Broncos. I mean, they have they have built this unbelievable team out there. Who would have thought that uh, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs were? I don't know what they did today. They might have had a bye today, but undefeated. I mean, that team has been terrible for years and years. So, you know, I mean, it, it's cyclical, which is which is cool because it keeps it fresh and everything. 
but I think at at the expense of these really really bad teams. You know, not even you know if the if the Bucks win, if they're zero and eight now, how many are they going to win? You know, maybe two, three. I mean, that's that's really. How, how, how do you feel for their fans? You know, their fans are <laughs> season tickets. I mean, come on. You know, it's funny because there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL. Now they're they're are, are talking about either expanding or relocating a couple of these teams, like uh, the Jaguars, for example. There there is talk of them moving maybe to L.A. or maybe mm-hmm. to London. What do you think of that? If they yeah. have an NFL team in London. Well, they really want to do that. I mean, they play that London game over there every year, and yeah, and they fill that big. place. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. I mean, they fill that wherever they play that. Maybe Wembley Stadium or something. But you know that place is filled. So I think that they. I mean, but but really, do you want to do you want to do you want to fly to London as a road trip? I mean, oh, that's that'd a long be awesome. Way. Yeah, but that's awesome though. Yeah. Well, mean, you think about it for for football, it's a little bit easier. You couldn't have like a baseball team in, in London. Yeah, yeah baseball for, would be hot. I mean, they've been trying. Yeah. For, you know, there were there was talk. Years ago, you don't hear about it very much now, but they wanted to put a baseball team in Hawaii. Yes. And, um, but they just figured, well, you know, it would just play havoc with the schedules because, yep. you know, I mean, it, they'd be, it's, it's a long way. It's just a long way. And you'd be out there for three days or, you know, three or four games, and then you'd fly back here, and, and then the, the team out there would be flying to the mainland all the time and playing, and it, it just wouldn't work out. But you're right. If you can – I mean, a, f- a football team makes a lot more sense. Uh, NFL team up in uh, in London, and if if they can pack that place, I mean, when, when the Pats played over there a couple of years ago, and we were watching it, it seemed like every play that the place would just you know uh, cheer. It was like it wasn't like they were cheering for any particular team; they were just cheering for football. Um, yeah. And the NFL would or they would love. I mean, that's a whole unexplored territory over there. Um, I think and you're going to see it, it in the next five years. I'll, I'll make I think so because I, I think so because I mean they, they've been wanting to globalize the sport for a yep. long time. Because look, the NFL really is a an American sport more than anything more than any other sport. It's really yep. Americanized, but it is catching on. And the world is starting to really embrace the sport. Yep. So it makes perfect. And look, and the NFL. Uh, you don't play every day, like in baseball or right. basketball. You know, you p- you play once a week, so the, the traveling is not really that big of a deal. Right. They can make the traveling, and you know, and the players I think would love it to be able to go overseas, and it's something different. You know, for baseball though, uh, Mac, one thing that I've always thought would be a kind of a neat idea uh, would be for them to like expand the league. You know, for you know, they, they call it the World Series, right? But yet yep. the only teams are in America. Well, yes. why not have an entire division like in China or Japan or in the, in the UK, all, all over Europe? You know, where you you have your 14 teams over there that all play in their division, like the American mm-hmm. League and the National League. Have a division there full of teams, and then they join the playoffs and the World Series later on once we're in the playoffs. Because oh, yeah. the American League, you know, they, they do have the inner squad in the league games, but it's not that many. You know what I mean? They, right. That's only a few for, per season. So yeah. why not do something like that for me? I think that would make more sense than just well, putting well, a team. You'd have a, uh, a South American League, a, a Caribbean yeah. League. I mean, I think that one of the reasons they don't want to do it is because they know if they had a Caribbean League, they'd kick ass on the American teams you know oh yeah Yeah, these guys coming out of the dominican republic i mean whatever it is it's in the water down there or something but look at the great players that come out of that place um if you had a if you had an entire team of dominican players you know they they could they could sweep american teams to tell you the truth you know um i think that would be great yeah definitely expand it down to central america south america caribbean china japan I mean, look at some of the players in Japan. That would then it would really be a World Series. That would be very cool. Exactly. Can you imagine like Tokyo against Florida? 
Oh, it would be just. And how many people would be watching? <laughs> you'd have you'd have two or three billion people watching most games easily. That will globalize baseball completely. Right. at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that's good. I mean, sports. You know, I think I said this in the show last time I was on. Sports and music, in my mind, are really the only thing that everyone in the world agrees on. If you know what I mean. You know, if you can, if if you could sit and talk to someone from Iran or North Korea for some reason, if you if you have something in common with them, then a lot of the animosities go away. Right. And um, yep. you know, so if you can talk to them about music, or if you can talk to them about sports, you have something in common with them, and and that breaks down the barriers more than let's say politics or something like that. So, I would love to see a real World Series. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, I don't want to sit down with anybody from North Korea and talk about politics. That's just no, <laughs> no. You know, what's not the point? a fun thing? No, that's not. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, Mac, you know, we're almost out of time on this segment here, but I wanted to ask you real quick before I let I let you go for the evening. Um, you know, give the audience and you know your web address, anything that you want to promote, real quick. Uh, uh, okay. Make sure everybody knows how to find you. Okay, well, you know, the easiest thing to do is just go to macmaloney.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, and um, uh, MacMillan.com is where you can go to you know, find out what we're up to. The Sky Club, the first Sky Club CD, as I said, is for sale on uh, Amazon, or you can go to iTunes and just go to Mac Maloney uh, Sky Club. And um, we should have the new album out sometime in the spring and this new book coming out in the spring. And then um, you know, a lot of other things that we can talk about uh, next time. Awesome. Love to have you on, Mac. We definitely have to have you back on the show here. Uh, guys, we're going to go on a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have our guest for the second hour, Mr. James Carmen, is going to be with us. And, Mac, uh, just to ride us out of here tonight, we're going to leave uh, for commercial break to the song Into the Night. Great. Thanks a lot, from Sky Club. Thank Love you. That song. from home all on my own they say separated by fools who don't know what love is Professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com 
in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com We asked this gentleman to participate in our radio taste test challenge. On one table, terrestrial radio. On the other, SoFloRadio.com Do you have your blindfold on? Yes. Try a bite of this. Oh God, that's awful. Tastes like the soiled briefs of a lonely fat man. You just had a taste of all sports and corporate-backed right-wing assassin talk radio. Now give this a try. Mmm, that's gotta be SoFloRadio.com. Mmm, entertaining, funny, informative. I love it. Can I have more? SoFloRadio.com, a full plate of delicious entertainment. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. The Internet is not a parking lot. You can't create a website, park it there, and let it sit. Rusting, forgotten, ignored. But face it, you don't have time to focus on your web content. Turn it over to Ion Leap. We're an internet marketing agency who helps companies get found by search engines using robust content. Get your website moving again. Learn more at IonLeap.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Escape well. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head right here on PSN Radio, SoFlo Radio, and, of course, live on Shoutcast all over the Internet. This is www.psn-radio.com. Check out the chat room. And the new player, there's a new player in the chat room, uh, actually all the way on the top of the page, which looks really, really nice. I hope everybody's getting a kick out of it. It's autoplaying, so everybody who was complaining before about the autoplaying can stop complaining. Now... There's no more need for complaining. We have my second hour guest on with us, Mr. James Carmen. And if you're not familiar with James Carmen, you might have heard his voice uh, before here on the network. He's actually on with uh, Jamie Havican on Inception Radio not too long ago. Uh, Mr. Carmen lives in New York City, the Big Apple, and uh, works as a cinematographer and a producer. He shoots features, commercials, and documentaries, and his work has been showcased at the MOMA and many film festivals. He's received and won an EBE award for best documentary with his film, The Hidden Hand, The Alien or Alien Contact, uh, The uh, Government Cover-Up. Currently, he is working on a new documentary entitled Superconscious. Uh, James, thank you so much for being on the show here. I really appreciate having you on and uh, you spending your time with us here. Thank you, Jacko. It's wonderful to, to chat with you a little bit. You know, it was funny uh, having you on with uh, Jamie the other night on his show. He was uh, not aware, and neither was I, when I jumped on the call, that you were going to be uh, the guest on that night. So it was really an amusing uh, situation that we ran into there. But it was very cool to talk to you then to kind of like break the ice and, uh, and kind of like get to know you before you even knew that I was going to be interviewing you in a couple weeks. Uh, but, you know, yeah. tell us about the uh, the film The Hidden Hand, uh, the movie. Tell us about this uh, great movie. Jamie is raving about it, by the way. Uh, I'm about to okay. uh, check it out in in probably shortly. I'm going to be watching it myself over the next couple of days. But okay. uh, tell us a little bit about the movie so the audience who would, might not have heard that story knows a little bit about the film. Well, it's I would say it's an overview of the whole ET phenomenon, and it starts off. It kind of walks you through by the hand, and and you about you have people like Edgar Mitchell and Paul Hellyer. Uh, in um, Colonel John Alexander saying, you know, it's tr- a real phenomenon. It's it's here. It's happening. And then, uh, and then it goes into you know abductions in, in first kind of contacts, which are usually when pe- uh, people are uh, in their childhood. And then it goes through the whole military uh, involvement in this, in in terms of um, development of. of reverse-engineered technology and uh, black projects and financing the black projects and, um, you know, also uh, imprisoning EET and finding out information from them. And then um, it goes into implants, what kinds of ETs there are, sexual experimentation, the generational aspect. Um, It goes into hybridization. It goes into my lab's military abductions by human military groups and then it goes into exopolitics and basically into galactic consciousness kind of where we're going as a race towards the end of it so it, in a real neat bow wow, kind of you cover the whole lot, spectrum. You know? yeah. <laughs> no kidding you know to me the the you know the best way to really uncover what's going on with the whole phenomenon is with the abductees, is with the the implants. Uh, you know th- this is really where the the goods are, so to speak, because it, it's really hard to find credible evidence in ufology. But when you have an abductee who actually has an implant that can be surgically removed and studied, to me that's real mm-hmm. tangible evidence. Uh, you know, going through the film, how many 
folks did you you know did you research uh, when you were preparing for the movie that actually uh, had legitimate uh, implants in them? They were you know, legit. Uh, they they saw doctors and everything, and they could provide all the data for you. Well, there weren't so many because there's not so many people who are doing that work. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I know Dr. Lear, and um, right. and then I had uh, Jesse Long. And then the, the thing is, is there's a lot of people who spoke about their implants, but it was kind of like they they would have something like a nodule in their behind their ear, and it would hurt, and then they would go to the doctor to get removed, and it would be gone the next day, you know, or, or you know those kind of stories you would hear all the time. So, um, yeah, I think. Uh, if I would have just concentrated only on the implants, I could have, you know, covered that. I think, like Dr. Lear, I think he's done maybe like 17 operations so far. And um, so it's not that extensive. I think there are a few other people that are doing implant retrieval or, or in terms of surgery, but I, I, I don't know them. And, um, you know, it's also problematic probably from a insurance perspective in terms I can of imagine, yeah. malpractice and everything. So now what's some of the findings that Roger Lear has come you know come up with on some of the implants he's removed? Is it, I mean I know that there's been kind of odd metals and stuff in some of these implants, right? Right. Well they've had they they have isotopes that aren't found on this planet. And um you know even though they're have a lot of iron content, they're they they're not magnetized and um, also that they have human tissue can grow into it and that's mm. not normal and, and like for for normal earthbound iron human or any kind of biological tissue would not be able to grow into it so it seems like it's designed to do something totally different and um, just recently he's done a lot of studies and, and he's removed an implant and he's seen all these really really fine carbon nano tunnels inside of it and um hmm. so he's he's speculating on what that might be for but he doesn't know that's rather disturbing and as you as you know that that you know that's also a big thing that's coming in in um technology using mini nano carbon right. tunnels and and uh so that might very, might very well be something that was reverse engineered could it be that maybe some of these abductees are, are maybe some sort of experiment from the government itself uh, to test some of these uh, new devices that they're working on, these new technologies? Oh, very, yeah, yeah. You know, when you think about it, um, you know, I think ET, a lot of people, they, they see that there's theoretical implants or they're very, there might be s s implants that are impossible to detect with our instruments. And so maybe these coarser implants are actually from, you know, rogue military groups that are kind of trying to mimic what ET has done and, and um, use it for tracking people, testing them, trying to uh, influence how they think, you know, sending them um, thoughts or transmissions. Now, have we had now in any of the studies uh, in laboratories have they been able to pick up any signals from any of these implants at all? Do you know? Um, no, not that I know of. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's been also a while since I've interviewed Dr. Lear, so I don't have it all so fresh in my my head. But I don't remember that they actually picked up Maybe signals. And I think, or they, I think 
and I think that they 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 can only speculate about what they're for. They don't know exactly what they're for. Right. You know, you, have, you, you the ETs. I mean, the 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 abductees. They usually say it's for one. It's to track me. Two. It's to monitor my health and mm. maybe genetics. Uh, and then three. It's to um, influence my thoughts and four to control me to make me perilous when they want to come and pick me up you know uh james i'm sure you're aware of uh talk this that was going on in this country for a long time uh many years ago about in the future they're going to have the chip and they're going to implant it in, in us and you know that was part of uh bill cooper's uh behold the pale horse and a lot of stuff that he talked about was the future implantation of chips uh, in humans to track us and stuff. Uh, could this be, I mean, I think this could be a possibility. This is what is going on. Um, MK Ultra and all these other mind control, uh, you know, stuff that's happened in the past. Uh, could there be kind of a, maybe some kind of uh, manipulation uh, where people's minds, where they're hallucinating the abduction scenario and they're just being implanted by the government themselves? Do you think that could be a possibility? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I think that's going on anyways. I mean, the, in, you know, then you have to look at the whole abduction scenario and say, okay, are they, is it all ET? Is some of it um, uh, military? Is all of it military? And I think, you know, there's quite a bit of evidence to show that some of it is um, military. And, you know, because they take people, they drug them, they um, do whatever they want to do. Usually they want to do tests on them and they want to do a debriefing on them in terms of what they've learned and what they know and then you know so and then they put them back at home sometimes not as elegantly as they were taken when people describe they're taken by ET but the other side of this is you know it can be like a psyops operation where you take people and you abduct them and you basically give them a screen memory that it was ET and, and not the military, and so then you build up this whole kind of um, urban legend or about, oh, ET's taking us and they're so malevolent and, um, you know, th- that's an enemy force out there that we have to be worried about, and then that can be used to create a um, staged alien invasion or, you know, say, okay, now we have to have a, a world government with one kind of... Um, space defense system to defend against ET. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects to it. It's, I can't say that I know for sure it's this way or that way, but, uh, you know, I think you have to be aware of those possibilities when you're looking at the evidence, because a lot of people wouldn't even think that we would be that sophisticated in terms of, like, a PSYOPs operation. Now, in, in, the, uh, in the movie, do you cover... Um, the technologies are supposedly we've gotten back engineered uh, from, like, say, the Roswell crash or any other crashes? I do it briefly. I mean, I, I go over what Colonel Corso was talking about in terms of, um, you know, fiber optics, the, mm. um, uh, you know, Kevlar, uh, in, also in terms of um, light, uh, optical light fibers and... Um, the computer, miniaturized computer chips. Um, I'm sure there's other technologies that have been taken. I mean, Ben Rich talks about how, um, you know, they can take ET home now, and that Hmm. most of it came from unfunded 
opportunities. And then people said, well, what do you mean by that? And they said, and then he just went to the chalkboard and he, and he circled the U and the F and the O. And he says, that's where we got most of it. So, but basically he was saying that, you know, now we have that capability of flying throughout the galaxy. You think that, that might be one of the reasons why the uh, NASA space program has shut down the shuttle project? Maybe they're kind of getting us ready for the big news, the big disclosure, and rolling out the, the, the stuff that we've back-engineered? you think that might be happening? I mean, I know Stephen uh, Bassett is a great friend of mine. He's going to be on the show here next month. Uh, you know, he's always pushing for disclosure. Do you think that's ever going to happen? Um, well, I think we already have a limited form of disclosure that's, um, that's happened. You know, if you look at um, what Dr. Greer did at the press club in Washington, D.C., if you just look at what happened in terms of the citizens' hearing this May, um, and then you look at all these countries that are releasing some of their UFO documents, that is basically a disclosure of some kind, saying that there is some kind of phenomenon there, some kind of interaction. And, you know, it also might be just a ploy to kind of bring society a little bit closer to this to where they can manipulate it however they want so they can steer this um, the, the knowledge or the idea of what's happening but I think you know there's no reason really for for the powers that be to disclose because I mean there's too much um, technology that's probably useful for them and if they were to reveal that then the 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 playing field would become more level and, and you know if you if you're on the winning side why would you why would you reveal all that information and also the whole um we've have so much money that's been poured into these black projects then you know it's also a criminal activity and you would that's something that could be then looked at and say well was this legal and was it legal that we all this wasn't um revealed to the, but w- the public at large but wouldn't them not revealing what they know kind of go against the whole, you know, one world government idea? Because, th- you know, that idea is to unify the entire planet under one government, which is going to control everything, space program, everything. I mean, keeping that a secret, wouldn't that delay that plan? No, because, I mean, I think you, it's it's happening anyways. I mean, the whole the whole nation states are becoming more just performer anyways. I mean, if you look at uh, now... Japan and Russia and the UN have all declared that they're developing um, asteroid uh, weapon systems to blast asteroids when they when they come in and approach the Earth. And I mean that just smells. I'm not saying it's an impossible idea, but it, it's weird <laughs> that each country would defend it, would develop it independently, because it it would be a planetary system you would have to set up to defend against asteroids. Um, it doesn't make sense at all, and so I think maybe that's happening anyways. I guess it would depend on what kind of uh, system they're setting up. I don't, I don't even know if uh, blasting asteroids is going to work anyway, because I mean these things we don't know they're. You know their their makeup 100. percent I mean, not every two rocks are the same, right? So who knows what's coming out? No, way. but it, my point is, it might not. That might not be asteroids. It might be like really a, 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 a UFO planetary defense shield against ET or against right. some ETs. You know, who, whoever we're working with, who we're not working with. So, do you I think, think we might you know, have some stuff on the moon already? Because I know in the 80s there was, of course, the whole Star Wars project that, uh, that the Reagan administration uh, talked about. Do you think that we might have stuff on the moon already uh, set up? in some form here in the, from the, you know left there from the US obviously 
Um, it's possible. I mean, uh, Charles Hall talks about that. He, he talks about how, you know, um, in the 60s that, that there were U.S. generals that were actually flying in saucers to the moon to pick out the, the landing spots for Apollo. Um, that's wow. kind of interesting. So, so, but there's a lot of other people who say that, that um, you know, there is technology there. If you look at, uh, you know, the NASA photos that have been redacted that, you know, there, it was obvious that a lot of things were um, retouched. And I think um, Dr. Um, John Lear goes into that. I think, um, um, you know, there's quite a few re researchers who've shown that. Even um, Ingo Swan wrote a, a book about that, um, talking about the, the nature of the moon, in that, that it might actually be a base for ET. And that's maybe one of the reasons why we haven't gone back there. Um, for such a long time. I mean, just think we, if we would have, although it's, it's expensive, we, we developed this multi-billion dollar program to go there. We went there and then we didn't do anything with it. That's kind of strange. I mean, there's, there's a lot of commercial possibilities in terms of um, developing the moon, I think. Well, that you got to remember, the moon also takes a, a lot of bombardment uh, from meteors and stuff. How safe would it be really to develop stuff on the moon, you think? Well, just think if you had a, a moon base, it's going to be a lot cheaper to send stuff to Mars or, or you know, you don't have to go through that really dense atmosphere. It would be, That's you know, true. in some yeah. ways it would be easier to, and, and I mean, how many stuff, how often do you see like a uh, a meteor hitting the moon? You have a lot of um, radiation in terms of from cosmic rays, but you don't, you know, if there were huge meteors hitting the moon, we would hear about it, I would think. That's very true. Uh, well, it does take a little bit of a beating, I guess, because it does have a lot of creators and stuff from uh, past uh, encounters with meteors or or comets, but or anything else that debris, I guess, have hit it. But uh, it is uh, you're absolutely right. If you want to go to Mars, I guess you would have to set up a colony or a base or something on the moon to be able to get there. Now, do you think that we haven't gone to Mars yet, or you think we've made that jump already? Because there's a lot of talk, of course, in ufology. Uh, you know, there's I don't want to mention too many names, but there's some people out there already spreading that uh, the government's been going to Mars for years, and uh, there's uh, a colony on Mars. Some people say they were trying to get them be to be recruited to go to Mars, and they uh, there's you know a few people that have been fighting the government supposedly. Uh, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Uh, like I said, I don't want to name too many names when I talk about that. But what do you think when you hear of people saying that they've been to Mars already and the government has uh, already gone there and they're already colonizing Mars? Okay, well, um, I know a few people that said that they've been there. Um, uh, Duncan Cameron is one of them, and um, I think that. Um, I can't say for sure, I mean, because obviously I don't know. I haven't been there, but there's a lot of people who say that there was a, an old civilization there and it's underground now and that there is, you know, remnants of that civilization still there and that, you know, if we do have, let's say, UFO technology, then there would be no reason why we wouldn't have gone there and set things up. I mean, it, it, it would have been, because it's a short trip. If you have that kind of field propulsion technology, going to Mars is not a big deal, you know. Right. It's like you know, taking a a, a three-day trip to Utah or something. You know, it's not, you know, I don't know how fast they go, but um, so I think it's it's possible, but I I don't know for sure. You know, James, what really bugs me out about the whole thing with Mars, uh, when they first landed on Mars with the rover a few years ago, all the pictures they came back, all had a really reddish atmosphere like all the pictures it looked really red i've been seeing pictures now not 
you know, not, I would say in the last two years, last year and a half, and, and not one red atmosphere. I've seen a lot of blue skies, regular looking, like earth like tones. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. there, there might be a revelation coming for, from uh, NASA pretty soon that, uh, guess what, Mars actually is possibly a place where we can inhabit and it might have an atmosphere very close to Earth where there might even be breathable air on the planet. Do you think that might uh, might be something that we might be looking at here? Because, I mean, red uh, look, a red sky obviously means we can't breathe that air. A blue sky means there's uh, something going on with water and oxygen. Right. Um, well, there is some water and some oxygen there, and there is actually an expedition. They're starting a, a moon colony there. Um, it's a Dutch expedition. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't, no. And, and they they asked for volunteers, and um, 200,000 people uh, volunteered to go there in a couple months. And it's interesting because it's a one-way trip. It takes three months to get there from, from the Earth. And when you're in that long and weightlessness, then your bones and your muscles become very weak and brittle. And so then Mars has a third the gravity that we have so once you kind of build yourself up again you would never be able to return to earth it would be too much for your system and your bones and so it's a one-way trip and so they think that they can live there and um, build a a colony there and there's a lot of people you know 25 percent of those 200,000s were from the United States that said okay I'm willing to do this one-way trip so um, you know they think it's possible I mean not you know I don't know exactly what their plans are for living in a um, in a moduled habitat, but I I think you know it'd, it'd have to be moduled and some of it buried underneath the earth. Probably, I mean, I guess the the gravity alone is going to be so different. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure on how the difference uh, in gravity is compared to here, but I did, you know, now listen to you speak, I did hear about this uh, uh, proposal. It was like what two hundred thousand people already signed up or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I not only do I remember now reading about it. It was funny. There was an article where Obama, uh, which uh, they were comparing to uh, how m- more people had signed up to go to Mars than had signed up for Obamacare, which I found really, really funny. <laughs> That's James. funny. Yeah. I found that hysterical. Uh, but that that tells you about the fascination we have in this country uh, with Mars and with going to another planet. I personally would sign up. I would do my show for Mars Life if I could. Why not? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I mean, I I thought about signing up. Uh, it's it's just, you know, I wouldn't want to do it quite yet, but, you know, if there's an opportunity a little bit in a few years, I would definitely do it. I mean, think about it. A lot of old folks retire in South Florida. How about retiring on, on Mars? Exactly. You know, I'm sure it would be it would be the perfect capo on your life, you know, to look out on those sunsets. and, and be, You know, it's a dangerous place. They have sandstorms that, that engulf the whole planet for days. Yeah. And uh, so it's you know the weather can be very malevolent. Well, that there, I'm sure there's certain pockets and parts of the planet where it's a little bit you know easier to uh, to build a habitat a habitat for for people to live in. But uh, that'd be so neat, man, to be able to live like the last twenty thirty years of your life on another planet. How cool is that? Yeah, I'd love that. I mean, I'd love that myself. Uh, and it would now, be it, also nice to feel like you're you're you're. You're doing something. You're making a, an addition to kind of right. helping set that up. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right. You're going to be in the history books, also. I mean, look, we all like Star Trek, right? We we all know the, the yeah. lore and the history of Star Trek. Guess what? We can actually live that. 
if we go to Mars, because that's how kind of you know Starfleet and all that stuff would eventually happen in the future. If there is such a thing that ever ever happens in the future like that, it would be because uh, human beings went to Mars and they colonized Mars and they made it work, and then they went to another planet and you know they got interstellar travel, and boom, you know we have Starfleet. That's kind of how that stuff would happen in the future. You know, Star Trek for a lot of uh, you know the the geek stuff behind it has become uh, something that has issued a lot of technologies uh, our way and uh, has uh, opened a lot of uh, people's brain to think of different things like laptops, tablets, all that stuff came from Star Trek, really. I mean, a lot of the visual stuff we saw in the 60s, 70s uh, became reality because of the you know human imagination uh, capturing what they saw on TV. Uh, so, I mean, that would be a way to reach the stars one day, to, to you know, be that person who set that, tr- you know, that mark. And it would be really cool to be like the first, imagine the first person to actually or it'll probably be the first group of people, it won't be just one person, but the first group of people to set foot on Mars and create that first habitat. I mean, that would be in the history books for all of human human history, uh, which be it'll be a nice way to really carve a niche for yourself. Imagine your grandkids when they're talking about, oh, my great-grandfather, he was one of the first to colonize the planet Mars. That's, uh, you know, who could say that? It, yeah, I agree. And, and also, you know, over time, it will develop a different culture. Right. in its own civilization, and, and it'd be nice to be able to uh, to influence that. And um, I think it would be wonderful. That is awesome. Uh, you know, uh, in the movie you also covered Dr. Um, you cover uh, Edgar Mitchell uh, extensively, mm-hmm. and Edgar Mitchell's story to me is one of the most credible and one of the, the best uh, that's come out in the, in the world of ufology because, of course, he worked for NASA, six men on, on the moon. Uh, doesn't get better than that, and he's come forward saying, yeah, there is truth to this stuff. Tell us a little bit about what you cover in the movie when it comes to uh, Dr. Mitchell. Well, basically, it starts out, he says that he was from Roswell. That's where he was raised. And so, right. I mean, he's, he's an incredible individual. He's got two PhDs from MIT in aeronautics and astronautics, He's a decorated war hero. He's a Navy captain, um, a test pilot, and, um, you know, uh, the, uh, the sixth astronaut on the moon. And he's the director of IONS, which is a kind of an institute for studying human potential. And um, he came back from the moon, and he went home to Roswell. And he, being a celebrity, all of the old-timers came to him and said, look it, this happened with Roswell, it was real, and we want to tell you our story before we die because we want it to be preserved and we want people to know that it really happened. And some had said that they'd seen the craft, and some had said that they'd seen the craft and also bodies that were retrieved. And um, so he took what they said to him, and he went to contacts that he had in the Pentagon, and he had it corroborated there, and so that's when he said, okay, well, this is real. Now, Edgar Mitchell has uh, been very vocal. Do you, do you find that odd that somebody that works for NASA and was that in uh, with the government has been as vocal as he has? No, because, you know, Gordon Cooper was vocal. Um, there's a lot of astronauts that have come forth and um, been vocal in one way or another. And I think... You know, once you get up above the earth and you see it, it's transformational. And then you start thinking less in terms of, oh, I'm working for NASA, oh, I'm working for the U.S. You start thinking in, in larger terms like, wow, this is something, you know, that we're doing for humanity. 
and this is something that's really important in terms of how we're evolving. And then when you have those concerns, then you want to make sure that you represent what's, what you feel is right and correct. And I think for, Doug, for him, he, he had a spiritual revelation when he was coming back from the moon. And he, and, he, and he was in the space capsule and he saw and it was spinning and he would see the stars then he would see the sun he would see the earth and the moon and looking at the sun he realized that the the atoms and the molecules in his body had been generated in an ancient star and mm. um, he, he felt like he was one he was like it wasn't an intellectual thing it was like a spiritual revelation where he actually felt like he was one with everything. And so that totally changed his perspective. And um, I think that gave him the courage then to be as vocal as he is. Now, we're definitely in, a, in an era where uh, these people do not get taken out by the government if they come forward. Do you think that whole, uh, you know, don't talk or the government will get you? Do you think all that's kind of, what do you think the government doesn't really care anymore if anybody comes forward? No, I think it kind of depends what it is. I mean, I'm certain, I'm sure there's certain kinds of things where it would be more difficult if you look at the whole history of zero point energy there's been a lot of people who have disappeared uh and you know a lot of patents that have been kind of snuffed and and they've been said okay well we need this for national security and uh, so there's in terms of i think it's more in terms of technology and science that where people the government is the most aggressive um there you know there's, there's if you look at some microbiologists that was a spate of them that were killed or missing in a few years ago and if you look at just in terms of high level ranking officers sometimes you know, they there's a plane crash or they go missing and so there i think there are things that indicate that it, it kind of depends on what people are up to as if if it's considered a threat or not now do you think it's considered a threat is that uh something that Dr. Mitchell or uh, the folks that you've talked to uh, think that, uh, you know, aliens are a threat or you think they're friendly? Well, I think, you know, it could be all the above. I mean, obviously it's it's kind of like saying, you know, are Europeans friendly or, or unfriendly? You know, it's like there's some friendly <laughs> ones, there's some that aren't. De depends on what soccer you game you go to. All <laughs> Europeans are bad. You know, it's like, oh. They only bathe once a week, you know, don't go to Europe. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of, we, we don't know exactly, the whole phenomenon is, it's not, it's very difficult to put your hands on it because there there are basically tangible evidence that, you know, all of our censoring systems can, can sense a, a UFO when it's here, you can see it, you can photograph it, you can track it. Um, you, met, you, you can shoot it down, um, but a lot of times they disappear, and a lot of times people claim that they're taken aboard ships or they're taken into different dimensions and by beings that are in different dimensions. And so it could be all of the above, but in, until it's studied in a very rigorous way, I don't think we can really know. You know, it, it, everyone has their experience or right. what they've researched, and so it's kind of a speculative endeavor. Now, I personally have had two sightings myself, uh, one when I was a kid uh, out in California, in Los Angeles, and another one here in Florida. Uh, have you yourself had any sightings? Have you seen any UFOs yourself? Yeah. Um, 
I was once with Antonio Urasi. Do you know him from no. Italy? No, I do not know. He, he's really amazing because I think he has some of the best UFO videos out there, and he's been doing this for years. And the thing is, it's like wherever he goes in the world, he can film UFOs, and he knows when they're going to be there. Like he was staying with me a couple of days, and he would get up, we would get up in the morning and we'd say, okay, today at 4.30. And then I'd say, okay. And then I'd kind of forget about it, and we would go about our day, and then we would leave a restaurant, and it would be 4.30, and he would just pick out his camera and start shooting up in the sky. And I couldn't, initially I can't see what it is, and then I could see that there were two small dots, and he was totally magnified on them. And then you saw that, wow, there was something up there. And, then, and, and unless you knew to look up there, you wouldn't know that they were up there. And then there's another... Um, friend of mine, his name is Mark Brinkerhoff, and he's filmed uh, UFOs all of his life. And um, he came to a birthday party of mine, and um, instead of, like, eating and, eat, you know, lighting the cake and singing the song, he, he was filming UFOs. And then a whole group gathered around him, and, and there were three UFOs that were just hung up in the sky and then would move, hmm. and then, but it was for quite a long time, like a half an you hour. Know, the, the gentleman who uh, interviewed you a few a couple of weeks ago, Jamie Havikan from Inception Radio, uh, he's captured some really good footage down here in Florida. Um, a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it are satellites and stuff that is out there, and you know he's tracking uh, to see what he can capture. But he's captured some really odd uh, stuff on his uh, on his sky watches. Uh, do you think a lot of that that people are capturing could be our like our own test flying of back engineered crafts, or do you think all of it is just aliens? You know, all the time that's coming to Earth. Because I personally don't think we're that popular in the entire uh, interstellar uh, aspect. In the interstellar social media, Facebook, I don't think we're that popular as as a species. Right. Uh, you know, my personal take is that yeah, the Earth, aliens have been here. Um, there's probably some truth to you know them been, being here in the past. Uh, that's why you know you have the ancient astronauts or the ancient alien stuff. Uh, even though I don't believe in Denikin or a lot of that stuff, but I do think they've been and influenced our culture. Uh, but I think a lot of times when they maybe have passed by, is more like to refuel, you know, somehow, you know, maybe stock up on some uh, resources they might need, and then they're on their way again. I don't think they were as popular as we think. Of course, you know, human nature always uh, wants to to make us seem so important, like we're the center of the universe. But in reality, we're we're a little speck in the, the bigger picture that is the cosmos, uh, how, you know, how much of what people are seeing do you think is legitimate alien crafts and how much of it is, you know, just uh, uh, our own engineered stuff that we're working on? Well, I think a lot of it is our stuff. I, couldn't, I can't say how much, but I think quite a bit. And I, agree, I think yeah. that other countries like, you know, China and Russia have developed their own... Uh, technology and, and you know you could fly anywhere in the world very quickly if you have something like this so you know you could be everywhere and um so yeah so i, I will imagine quite a bit of, of it is ours i don't know exactly how much there's also some sightings where you see these huge ships you know out in space and i don't know if we have the resources to build something like that um, like these huge motherships. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, you know, but obviously it would cost quite a bit of money. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the reported motherships are talking about stuff that is like two or three times uh, the size of a football field. Some of them are as big as a state. Uh, very big. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how we would be able to, to actually fund that and, and get it built. Especially getting built 
you know, get something like that built here on Earth without somebody finding out about it. You know, yeah, they, they, I mean, would make, you, that's the kind of thing you would build in space. You know, right. and let's let's say if you had the, if you did build it on the on the dark side of the moon, that would be a perfect place to build it because no one would be able to see you, and um, you know, you would have some raw materials there, and and you would be able to bring up some from here. But it it would be a huge endeavor, and it would take a a, a huge crew unless you were already so advanced with robotics that you could have. Um, Robot, you know, robots and, and 3D computer printers, you know, just printing all that stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a, the future right there, folks. The 3D printers, <laughs> that's going to be creating all kinds of new stuff for uh, for us. Pretty much anything you can think of, you can take a picture of or whatever. You just put it in one of those printers, and boom, there it is. There, uh, there's action figures that are being printed now of people. Like you take your, a picture of yourself, and it'll create a little mm-hmm. action figure of you, which I think is phenomenal to do that. Mm-hmm. Those things are really cool. But, I'm, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to be standing in line to buy one of yours. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll give you an autograph copy of one of my uh, action Thank figures. You, <laughs> that, you know, you. Alex in the chat room here uh, has a very good question. He says, uh, what's the best UFO video that you've ever seen online? I, personally, I think the uh, the smoking gun video from Martin Stubbs, I think, is one of the best videos. But what's the best one that you've seen? Um, well, the one I, the best one I've seen is from Antonio Orsi. Uh, I think he did it in Milano, 2008 in Milan in Italy. I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, but I haven't seen all of them. Uh, I can't say, but you know, also I think I thought the Jerusalem one was pretty amazing because it was like three cameras at one time. That was, you know, that's pretty amazing. That was that was a really good. That got a lot of coverage too in the U.S. Yeah. A lot of people were talking yeah. about that one for a long time, uh, which is kind of shocking that it got coverage but didn't get like the bad scrutiny that comes with some you know some of the coverage of these things. Uh, people were just kind of like they were dumbfounded by that. It really you know as a UFO video though it was really odd the way that object behaved. It almost looked like it was a living creature. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you would agree with that. It didn't look like it was some kind of a of a ship, for example. Well, I don't know. I mean. I, did you see the Norway spiral? I saw the Norway spiral, yeah. I thought that was also just pretty amazing. Pretty bizarre. Didn't they determine, didn't they determine the spiral might have been um, some kind of a of a rocket that went haywire and it just started spinning out of control? And, yeah, and but no. I don't. I don't really believe that. I mean, th- th- I don't. I don't know. I, that doesn't. That <laughs> sounds like a crazy story to me. It's, it's, I mean, it was just. It was there for quite a while, and. Um, you know, if it was a rocket, you would see that it kind of started and ended and, and was getting thinner. But it looked like, you know, it was pretty consistent all the way through. Um, I, I what don't do you know. think I, that spiral was? Do you, you think it was a portal, like an uh, interdimensional portal or something like that? I don't know. It could Or it could have, you know, Norway also has the um, harp technology. They have mm. a big harp um, where you, you bounce, you know, really a lot of... Um, Directed energy off the ionosphere, so it could have been something like that. Here, hold on one second. Uh, just to get you off real quick, we have a caller who wants to ask a question. Uh, seven seven two, you're back on the line. Hey, is this Angel? This is who's this? This is uh, Eric Johnson with uh, another guy from that Petrified movie. Ah, I thought it was the bear calling back in. Eric, what's <laughs> up, buddy? How you doing? Welcome back to the show. Uh, uh, you been, just... You've been listening. Yeah, well, I, I just left for a minute, so I don't know if you guys possibly even covered this. 
But, um, you know, I've seen two UFOs in my life. Um, both times I had the real sneaking suspicion they were military. Um, hmm. At one time, I think, it, well, one time it was in Bulgaria, actually. And uh, this one just took off. It was like a, a glowing orb. And uh, and both times I had this sense of like you know and I I watch ancient alien shows and I love the whole mythos and in both cases I felt like this fear like oh no it, it just saw me let me get out of here <laughs> but my question is do you think uh, any of you guys really because I've I've brought this up sometimes to intelligent people they usually tell me one of two answers but could this uh, possibly be like the future humans visiting us back you know from question and then i'm gonna let you guys go i'm gonna get off the line because my son died but i like to see or hear what you got to say on that thank you for calling eric we'll definitely uh touch on that 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 is is a very good question in fact there there has been talk about that right uh james about uh possibly the grays for example being from the future and and being us in the future dan burrish talks about that and um also um the Rendlesham case, um, James Pennison talks about that. He's, you know, he says that um, he thought that that was a, a, a craft that was not manned that was sent from the future to kind of reconnoiter different parts of the Earth just to give information about what was going on. And, um, uh, you know, Dan Bursch says that, you know, after there was a c- catastrophe in... in we we had changed our race so so much because of the catastrophe and because of um, continued cloning that um, that the humans came back into the past to kind of find new genetic materials so that they had a um, a gene pool that was um, broader and they could choose from from a broader base. Now, that's funny uh, to think of it like that, and it makes a lot of sense. I think that would make more sense, honestly, in a lot of ways than uh, a being traveling from four-point-something light years away, because that's a lot harder to do, I think, traveling that vast distance and maybe coming from a parallel universe, if there is such a thing, and if there is such a way to, to discover how to travel back in time or anything like that. Uh, but that almost makes a lot more sense to me. But, you know, where does the hybrids come into that? I mean, I don't know if you covered the hybridization uh aspect of the phenomenon uh what do they come in when it comes to the entire plot if if they really are from the future um well the the hybridization uh, there's a couple people who there's a couple different theories but one is that um like the great well there's not only the grays but the reptilians and uh have have hybrids and um it would be that they're Either they need, let's say, if we had a colony on Mars and we needed more people, like they had their colonies and they would hybridize something. Let's say if you had a planet where, you know, you needed to breathe oxygen and they weren't, didn't grow up in a in a atmosphere that had oxygen, then you would have to kind of clone and genetically engineer beings that could do that. You know, right. and maybe it was it it's, it it would be workers, or maybe it would be to carry on your pro- progeny. The other thing is, is that you know, let's say if you had a race that had undergone some catastrophe and and had cloned itself too much, and that there was kind of genetic deficiencies that couldn't be cloned out, and you knew that your race was going to die, then perhaps you would create the closest thing to yourself that you could, 
with another using like the base materials of another race and then that would continue on so that's another thing and the other thing is is that you know they come here and then they want to they'll integrate and they'll take over and so slowly they'll they'll bring in hybrids and you know that slowly that will kind of they'll be living here amongst us now will they look just like us because i know a lot of the hybrids have reportedly looked uh humanoid but not like human beings exactly well yeah the, i think they would be very close and you would have to be kind of a sensitive to know the difference hmm. um, you would or you know there's another thing they it, it might even be just something as simple as they smell different um, hmm. that 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 That's would be one of the the ways of knowing that that, that they're hybrid I can just imagine that conversation at the water cooler at work. You know, Steve over there kind of smells like an alien. You know how these aliens smell. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's sooner or later, you know, you would be able to know, figure out who is and who isn't, and, you know, because I think they would want to be able to use their enhanced brain power uh, to their benefit. You know, it's, it would be hard to mask that for a whole lifetime, and, and why would they want to do it? I mean, it, uh, it seems like they would use what they could do to their advantage. You know, the, the movie They Live has always fascinated. It's been one of the, like, my favorite movies since it came out mm -hmm. in the 80s. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie with uh, Roddy Piper, the yeah, pro wrestler. John yeah, Dark Carpenter's yeah. They Live, correct. A great yeah. film, one of my favorite, like I said, since I was a kid. I, I think that could possibly happen, something like that, where uh, you know our visual of the world, our 3D imagery of everything we see could be manipulated to where we don't even know when we're being invaded, and they might be among us already. Yeah, very easily. I think very, very easily. Again, the website, guys, is uh, hiddenhandthemovie.com. Um, any other uh, websites or projects uh, you, you have going in the near future, James, before we let you go here for the evening uh, that you want to uh, promote and give the audience uh, some URLs so they can find you on, on the Internet? Sure. It's hiddenhandthemovie.com. Then you can look at what I'm doing, and um, there's downloads. You can buy it on um, Amazon or Vimeo um, or Google Play. And um, I'm, my next film is called Superconscious. That's about people who have special gifts and abilities. And um, you can follow me on Facebook. It's hidden, um, hiddenhandthemovie.com on Facebook. And uh, Twitter is James Carman, capital T, capital T, capital P, and, or just hashtag, hidden, the, hashtag the hidden hand. So I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to talk to you. And, um, yeah, let's keep the conversation going. Definitely, I definitely want to have you back on uh, very in the very near future. Uh, great having you on. And real quick, I also want to tell everybody about your website, Time Traveler Art, arts.com. Tell us a little bit about the website. Right. Very cool website. You're a very good photographer, by the way. Right. That's that's kind of more. You know, my some of my photography work and some of my film work is on there. Um, you know, doesn't have anything to do with ET. But if 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 you want to. You know, a filmmaker, a videographer, a photographer. You can you can connect me, contact me through that website. Yeah, very cool website. Again, that's uh, time travelers time traveler arts dot com. Yeah, yeah, time traveler arts dot com. Uh, James, thank you so much for uh, being here with us. We went a little bit over just uh, to uh, get enough of information out there. Again, uh, everybody, please check out the movie The Hidden 
hand. Uh, looks like, again, something that I'm going to be sitting home watching a couple times over and over again just to get all the information uh, that is probably in this film. Again, Jamie is raving about it, so when he when he likes it, I know it's going to be definitely good and worth checking out. Uh, so, James, again, thank you so much for being here with us, sir. Thank you, Jacko. It's been a pleasure. We'll definitely have you back on pretty soon. Uh, guys, thank you for being here with us and joining uh, the show tonight. And uh, we're going to be back next week. Uh, we'll be back with the compassionate wolf, Mr. Oscar Benjamin himself, who's going to be our guest. And uh, until then, this is Inside the Jackal's Head on PSN-Radio.com. See you next time. Have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.